Who never do for do? Yeah, wings with friends. Ah, wings with friends. You got to get the wings to be with the friends. Hey everybody, welcome back to Wings with Friends. I'm your host, Mary Upchurch. Happy pandemic. I keep saying that and it's the probably worst thing to say and I'm sorry, I'll stop. Um, You guys, I am really excited to bring you another socially distanced episode of the podcast. And today uh, I have the pleasure of of talking to... um, Comedian, radical educator, TikToker, half of a cute couple, Tiffany Michelle. Hi, thank you. Did I get your intro I love that credits? Intro. Okay. I I think so. I keep like updating my bios to try to capture what I am, but I think you got the important points. It's because I took it from your bios. Good. <laughs> that makes sense. So I'm really excited to talk to you today and I'll just tell everybody like I found Tiffany on TikTok as I have become um, a TikTok addict and I probably need some help at this point because I'm staying up too late Um, and I'm starting to comment on people's things and I need to probably stop that. Um, I'll talk about that later. But but I love the first video I saw of yours um, was with you and your fiance. Actually, my friend sent it to me because my best friend and I, we just send TikToks back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And it was him, um, you were teaching him how to braid your hair, how to do your hair. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a single girl. A lot of my comedy is about being single. So that's, I'm probably going to make comments throughout about that. But I was like, that right there, that's it. That's it. Tell me a little bit about that, because that's that's becoming like your brand is this is your coupleness. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. I feel like everybody says this if they have a video that blew up. Like I never thought that it was gonna blow up. Like I had no idea. Um, and but it's true. And honestly, like it's something he had been asking me. I'm growing my hair out from a buzz cut that I did uh, a while ago, and so it's at like this weird stage. So I wanted to do box braids and literally right before the pandemic hit and everything shut down in the middle of the March in the, or in the middle of March is right when my hair was long enough to actually go get it braided and then all the salons shut down. So I was really disappointed, but I was like, let me see if I can order some hair and figure this out. Um, so he saw me doing that obviously because we're home together all day. And the first time I did it, he really wanted to help. And I was like, no, you're not going to be able to, like, it's too complicated. Um, but then the second time I was like, let me let him try. And there was just a good spot to set up the phone. So I was like, I'm going to record this. And, and like, I don't know, maybe it'll be like kind of funny. I didn't know like how cute that it would be or how cute that people would find it. But I'm glad that, that they liked it. And he was just very much himself, which he really gives himself to everything that he does. Like he is 100% dedicated. So I'm very used to seeing that because I've been with him for about three years, but I think other people were surprised to see um, a man that was so paying so much attention, which is kind of sad in a way. People did comment on that, that like millions of people are thrilled to see a man paying attention, but it was nice. Yeah, Yeah, it was, it was inspiring and it was like, yeah. You know, as I'm 42, I'm single, I've, I've been single forever, and I, I always talk about that, it's yeah. kind of the, the cornerstone of my comedy, but for me it was like, that right there, if it's not 
like the essence of that, it's not worth it. And he's not worth it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not. So it definitely, yeah, you reached a lot of people like right here. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, for my listeners or anybody who doesn't know you, like introduce yourself, like tell us a little bit about you and your background. And I always say non-sarcastically, what makes you so special? <laughs> well, um, as my bios say in the intro, I'm a, like a little bit all over the place, I find, but in a good way, or I've sort of grown to think of it as a good thing. When I was younger, I was like, oh, I have so many interests, like, what's my thing, you know, and really wanting to narrow that down. But now I just kind of lean into all of it. And you'll see that on the social media that I do a lot of content about my hair, about um, social justice, about being a teacher, dancing and adult cheerleading, which I discovered in New York. Um, and now my relationship, which just through sharing a little bit of it, has, I've seen that like, you know, people like it, it's they're inspired, so I've shared more of that. Um, so I think that's what makes me special is that I have, I have a lot of interest and I, um, just kind of lean in to all of them and share. I also really like pride myself on being genuine. So not really trying to, do something because that's what I think people will like, but sharing, you know, the real things that are important to me, even if it doesn't get as many views, if it's like a, a social justice post or a hair post, I'm, I still think it's important. So I'll still share it. Um, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I'm finding a common thread and especially in the interviews I've had the last couple days of this common thread of like, be yourself and do you and then your mm-hmm. the people who want to f- want that content will follow you and it's authentic and genuine yeah. um so i really like that also um you know i think it's neat how you're saying i want you know leaning into all of those things i think sometimes it's easy for yeah. people to get paralyzed by too many choices or you know well if i can't be the best at this i don't want to do that and it's like do everything yeah which is one of my favorite yeah. quotes lately. Uh, and I have it. I'm looking at my little board. It says, do everything. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel right now. And I think that, yeah, I could maybe focus or maybe when I was younger, I felt like I should focus on one thing and try to be the best at that. Like truthfully, I'm not the best dancer, the best comedian, the best at hair. And like, I know that mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. And I think it's, it's kind of cool to do a little bit of everything as long as you're enjoying it and not feel like you have to be the best or the most successful at anything that is refreshing um <laughs> like i'm just thinking about getting um wow i'm having a moment hold on <laughs> um so also and so i want to talk about all of these things um but you also mm-hmm. had some wings and you said oliver got them for you yeah Tell me a little bit about the wings that you got. Where are they from? And and tell me all about them. Oh, my gosh. Okay. They're from Captain Something. Let me look at my text because we are renting a house right now, summer house, which is really nice. Coleman, Dock of the Bay. I made up the captain part. Oh, there's no captain? Um, (laughs) There's no captain. Sorry. (laughs) Coleman's Dock of the Bay, and it's in Alexandria Bay from the Thousand Islands. Um. So he went there and picked up some wings, ate a couple of them. He really liked them. And I like them as well. You know, they're simple. Got some blue cheese dressing. I'm not, I will have to admit, I'm not a wings expert. Um, I was vegetarian for a long time when I was younger. 
And so I wasn't eating wings then. And then honestly, I'll get like self-conscious when I'm out eating and order wings and they're so messy. Um, so I've let that hold me back from how many wings I've eaten in my life. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. Um, do the wings that you got, are they flavored? I mean, is there a sauce or are they dry rub? I, so I ordered barbecue. It looks like it's a, a dry rub barbecue. I don't see like the barbecue sauce or maybe it's just like very lightly yeah. soft. They're not as saucy as I had imagined, but that's probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> are they bone in? Are they yes. traditional? Okay. Um, yeah. Nice. Would you eat those again? Is Coleman Dock of the Bay a good wing place? I think so. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm not an expert. I'm also like not super hard to please when it comes to like ordering. As long as I'm, I'm like, you know, it, it tastes good. Um, so I like it. And I would trust Oliver's opinion. I think he eats more wings and he quite enjoys them. Because yeah, he ready to Tiffany, them, so. people have really strong opinions on wings. And that's what the fascination of this was of like, um, it's just tied yeah. to so many things for people and they feel passionate about yeah. it. Um, so I'm going to ask you then your wing constitution, which should be fun, um, which you've kind of shared a little bit more, you know, in your description, but, um, yeah. do you prefer a drummy or the flat, like the little drum or the, the wing part? I like the drum more. Okay. I feel like I, I don't, I like the meat that comes off of that for some reason. So, um, you should find out what Oliver's preference is because we like to okay. find out that like, you know, couples are somebody who likes a drum and somebody who likes a flat and then it's a perfect mix. Yeah. If you go out mm-hmm. for wings, then you're half and half. Um, do you, and right. my other question is ranch or blue cheese and it, you got blue cheese. Do you, do you have a preference between the two? I think, I think blue cheese is more exciting. I think it's more powerful. Um, so I would definitely say blue cheese. Yeah. Um, do you prefer a drum? And you can put oh. ranch on anything. True. But. I like it when it's like a good blue cheese. You know, like a, mm-hmm. a good blue cheese. Um, do you, Absolutely. Do you prefer like a wet wing or like a dry rub like you got at Coleman's? You know, I would have said wet. I've, I really like sauces. I'm very into to saucy things. But these are very good and I very much appreciate I'm actually glad and this happens to me a lot like I said partially I'm like easy to please but I think also like I like to put a positive spin on things and uh-huh. so sometimes when I get the wrong order or not what I was expecting I'm like that's great because you know now I got the opportunity to try this and, and I'm, I, I'm so into the sauces but now I realize that I do like drier wings so <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> You know, Sorry, it all worked out. I feel similar because I've I've had friends who were like super picky eaters and were ordering yeah. at a restaurant and they're like, know this, know that, light this, light this. And I'm like, stop. Yeah. Like you're always going to be disappointed if you're that picky right. about it. So <laughs> that's a good yeah. take on it. And that was one thing I didn't like about being vegetarian. It's just that I had to uh, be picky in that way and I had to send things back. If it was like, oh, you put bacon on it on accident. So I've appreciated being a meat eater and that I can be more flexible. It's just like, all right, I'll try it. It's fine. Like, no big deal. 
How long ago did you make the switch to being a meat eater from being a vegetarian? Um, a while ago. Gosh, I, I feel like I've been alive a long time now because I was vegetarian for seven years. I started in college because my roommate was vegetarian. I was like, sure, I'll do it with you like so we can shop together and then got more <laughs> into it. Um, so probably till I was like 25 and now I'm 34. So um, it's been a while. Yeah, that is interesting. Was it a slow transition or are there still some meats you're like, no, I don't eat that. Like what meats do you prefer? I don't eat hot dogs. I think I always thought that hot dogs were kind of gross for some reason. Even when I was a kid, I remember my mom like forcing me to eat hot dogs because she's just like, you know, eat, you get what you get. And I never really liked them. And I never went back to eating them (laughs) after being vegetarian. And it was kind of a slow transition. At first I was just eating chicken and then um, sort of opened it up. But Yeah, I don't like that, and I don't eat duck because I really like ducks, the animal. Yeah. So that I mean, it doesn't come up that often, but sometimes at restaurants, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't eat duck. Yeah, um, I haven't done. Ducks are just too cute. <laughs> um, I always think of ducks as like it's a free activity to go feed ducks. Um, like, yeah. <laughs> my my dad had told me he was like we. I said you guys used to never do anything with me, and they're like I used to take you to the you know, feed the ducks over there. And I was like, you did that? And he was like, yeah. I I don't know. I was just really shocked. And now I just think it's the sweetest thing because I swear my parents never did anything. They're just busy working. That's another issue I have. I feel like... (laughs) I can talk about that later. No, but you see, like, families today, or at least, like, my friends and people I work with, like, they do every weekend. Like, they entertain their kids. And we never had that. It was like, go play. And like, I feel the same. I talked to my, one of my best friends who has three kids, and she, in the summer, she, like, basically runs a summer camp for her three children, like, mm-hmm. takes them out to the zoo activities every day. And I'm like, I just watch TV all day. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And that's, that's what I expected in the summer. So I feel the same. But I did feed ducks. I remember feeding ducks. Yeah. Good time. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Last wing question. How many wings can you eat? (laughs) Um, How many wings? I would say probably 12. Okay. That's an honorable amount. (laughs) There are some things that that I can eat a lot of. Um, But I I think 12 wings, if I'm hungry and I like them, um, I think that's about it. I know people who who eat a lot more. Actually, when I lived in... Phoenix, I feel like going out for like 10 cent wings yeah. or what that was like a big thing and people would eat, you know, tons because it was so cheap, but I'd say um, 12 for me. Do you, do you clean your wing? Like, do you feel like you really get the meat off? I feel silly no. asking. Yeah. No, I, I don't. And sometimes I judge my friends who do, who like, like I have a friend who really loves wings. We work together and we would eat at work and they had wings for lunch and usually I ate lunch with her but when we had wings I wouldn't eat lunch with her because I just didn't like the way that she would like suck them clean um she eats like the cartilage like I don't I don't want to be judgmental but for some reason there was something about the the whole process that I was like I can't be a part of this like you need to eat alone in your office they judge us too though. So like I yeah. I I am kind of a dainty wing eater and like yeah. we were at um 
we were at the Big Pine Comedy Festival in Flagstaff and I was doing live episodes. And a couple of my guests were like, hey, you're not even, you know, doing anything there. And then went up behind right. me and cleaned them, which I thought was <gasps> gross wow. and what? impressive at the same time. I'm like, you that's, must really that's like That's a me. different time. Huh? Yeah, I thought we were going to get married right there, actually. Um, right. <laughs> fantastic. Thank you wow. so much for your wing constitution. Um, wings just, um, I mean, they just, I, I feel like they bring people together, you know, so it's a, it's always like the excuse, you know, to talk, but, um, I'd love to hear more about, um, you said adult cheer. I thought I didn't notice that when I was looking at your, at, at your Instagram, but what is adult cheer? I didn't know this existed. Did you cheer yeah. in school? I did. I, for some reason, I really wanted to be a cheerleader. I feel like if you knew me when I was in elementary and middle school, it, like, wouldn't fit my personality, but I don't know. Maybe everybody feels that way in some way, but I was like, I just want to be a cheerleader so badly, and I went to a middle school that had a cheerleading team, which wasn't that common, so I was like, this is my chance. Tried out in seventh grade. I didn't make it. Like, I wasn't even close. I literally asked, and they were like, not even close. Like, you're, <laughs> no way. And then... But I was still determined, which also doesn't fit my young personality. I gave up on stuff all the time. If somebody was like, you're not good at that, I was like, cool, I'll never do it again. <laughs> but cheerleading, I was like, I have to, I'm going to work all summer. I'm going to, like, figure it out. I had, like, a couple friends who were on the team. I'm like, teach me all the cheers. Like, I have to do this. Um, so then I made it in eighth grade and then kept doing it in high school until senior year. I was the captain. Um, so I like that story. I tell my students sometimes, you know, like seventh grade didn't make it the cut, not even close, like stayed dedicated until I was like captain my senior year. Um, but then I didn't cheer in college. I went to U of A, um, and it's a co-ed team. So they're like oh, looking cool. for little girls who can be flyers and I'm not small and tall. So I didn't do it in college, never did it again. And then I saw this team in a parade in New York. And my sister was like, they look old like you. Like, you should Google and figure <laughs> out, like, those are not children. And I was like, I think you're right. They're not children. So I Googled it, went to the tryout. It's called Cheer New York. Um, and it's an adult LGBTQ and ally charity cheerleading team. So we do all these. I've been on it for, like, three years now. And we do all these events, fundraisers, um, and then donate the money to different LGBTQ charities in New York. And it, what's it called? So it's been awesome. It's called Cheer New York. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Because if you think yeah, about it, if you have an event, like, you need cheerleaders at everything. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, I wish I had discovered it right when I moved to the city because it was so hard when I first moved to make friends mm -hmm. and like find a community. Um, so it's really nice for that. Like very, very diverse looking team tons of different like jobs and backgrounds different cheerleading some people who've never cheered before some people who have cheered like professionally on all-star teams so it's really awesome we're shut down now because of the pandemic we've been doing like zoom practices yeah. and events and stuff but it's been awesome you know paula abdul had a similar perseverance story about how she got onto the lakers and I remember really? in concert, she told us this story and it was like, yeah. she said she would kept going. I think they kept saying, you're too short. You're too, you're too short. Well, yeah. it. But then um, she kept going into the bathroom, changing her scrunchie and her outfit and auditioning again. <laughs> and she just kept going back. And then 
No, that's so that's funny. That's how we have Paula Abdul. Um, that was during a, she was on the tour with New Kids on the Block, and it was Got like me. the best, funnest concert I've ever been to. It was Paula Abdul, New Kids on the Block, Boys to Men, maybe one other boy band, I can't remember, but it was so fun, and you just knew every word to every single song. It was awesome. Um, I'm awesome. Why did you move to New York? What brought you out there? Well, I was actually very happy in Phoenix. I grew up there. Um, I I loved it in a lot of ways. And I moved with my boyfriend at the time. Um, he really wanted to move because a couple of his friends had moved, and he was having this feeling since we had both like finished college and we're starting our jobs, like, oh, we're never going to do anything, you know, exciting, and we're just going to stay in Phoenix forever, which I didn't think was a bad thing, but he was like, I want to move to New York. I thought it was a horrible idea, but I wanted to, like, you know, support him, and then the other thing is visiting, I did really appreciate the diversity of New York City, obviously. It's just, like, so different, and it's Mm -hmm. such a different feeling to be there as a brown person, as a like biracial woman, where in Phoenix, at least where I grew up, I, it would be rare that I would see people who really like looked like me. Um, so being in New York and just seeing so many different types of people, that was the thing for me that brought me there, but I was also sort of following a boyfriend. He ended up moving back less than a year after because he didn't like it. For all the <laughs> reasons I said that we wouldn't like it, I was like, it's cold, it's so expensive. It's going to be so hard to make friends. Like, it's, it's going to be such a challenge. And it was. But what was interesting is that I really sort of, like, enjoyed the challenge and made things work, put myself out there to meet people and get a job. And he ended up not liking it and moving back to Phoenix. Um, and I think he's very happy there now. But that's how I ended up in New York in the first place. That is really cool. I yeah. love New York, and I had never been up until just a couple of years ago, and I went with one of my friends and kind of had the, a great, like, kind of tourist, you know, just did all the things, and I really fell in love with it, and then I got to go back the next year, and I, I did a little bit of comedy, um, but it I do love it so much, and I think deep down, secret in my little, like, you know, in my, <laughs> in my diary, I'm like, I would love to move to New York, but... Like, I'm scared, too, for all of those reasons. And, yeah. Um, and also, I think my biggest thing right now is just my, my parents. I'm close to them here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm from San Diego originally, and I moved to Phoenix, like, 15 years ago. I just feel like I'm, I don't know. See, th- this is me having realizations, like, just do it. Um, yeah. But you have a lot of thoughts in the pandemic, too. Like, I'm <laughs> thinking about everything. It's it's nuts. Um yeah, that's fantastic. What part of Phoenix did are you from, or did you grow up in? Um, in Central Phoenix. Okay. Um, yeah, I I went to Sunny Slope High School. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of that, but it's in Central, like Phoenix. Yeah, proper, Phoenix proper, you know, not yeah. like um, yeah, not the the extended area. Yeah. Um, do you come back? Do do does your family still live here? Do you come visit? I did. My, my mom lives there, my stepdad. So my sister actually moved to New York City um, a little while after me. She came to visit, and she was like, I love it. She was also really struck by the diversity and just seeing so many different types of people. Um, and she moved, like, a few months later. I fully did not believe her. She was like, I'm going to move there um, this summer. And I was like, okay. And she did, and she loves it. She still lives there. So I'm closest to her and my whole family, so that has been, like, perfect yeah. for me. 
Um, but I do visit. I haven't been in a while, um, and I would love to go. But also, my parents have visited us in New York since we're both there. That's yeah. nice, too. Oh, that's good. Get, you know, now I just remembered why I brought up San Diego. The diversity thing. Um, I grew mm-hmm. up in Calif- Southern California, and then my dad was in the military, so we moved a lot. So I was always around a lot of diversity. And it wasn't until I moved here yeah. where I was like, what? What? You know, it's like, no. And then um, for a big part of of living here, I had bought a house in Gilbert, which is like so it's, I mean, it's pretty white. I mean, it's, it's super Mormon or whatever, but um, I, and then, and then a year and a half ago, I moved to downtown Phoenix because I was like, and it was maybe inspired from my New York trip of like, now I know it's not New York. (laughs) Right. But I was like, I kind of need to be a little more like centrally located and just maybe around a little more culture you know so um yeah that's a weird said journey um (laughs) no that's awesome I like actually my ex-boyfriend who moved back to Phoenix like we kept in touch and I think he moved downtown or I know he moved downtown I think he's still there um and he he really spoke highly of it he was like you know it's it's developing a lot like it's very hip in a lot of ways so I've heard good things about downtown Phoenix yeah I mean it's getting there um (laughs) it's just so hot right now and it's like two reasons we can't go outside (laughs) right nobody understands how hot it is like I try to explain to people here and they're just like yeah 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 I'm like no it's like so hot Yesterday, yesterday I was going to Pita Jungle and I was like, my friend came over and I was like, do you want to, do you want to walk there? And he was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. And I'm like, they'll be good. And I didn't even realize it, but I was ready to pass out by the time we got there. And I was like, oh. yeah, it's like 106, but yeah. It's too much. That's something I like about New York too, is the walking. Like I didn't really realize until I moved, like it was actually overwhelming. My feet hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I was going through shoes in like a couple of months. Um, but I didn't realize like, wow, I've really never walked anywhere. Yeah. I would get in Phoenix. I would just get in the car and drive there. The way. So I, I remember this really stayed with me. This is just something I would notice too. But like, um, I noticed what girls were wearing and like the style, you know? And I was like, and, and maybe it's probably pre, you know, before the pandemic, but like I noticed girls were wearing like they were more like fresh face like they didn't wear a lot of makeup their hair wasn't overdone and they maybe had it like a cute bun just something really simple and then like jeans or leggings and then really cute tennis shoes so like mm-hmm. like whatever the latest cute like rose gold or whatever Reebok Adidas yeah. Nike. and and I was thinking about how like everywhere I go I wear flip-flops and so I'm, yeah. I imagine that's probably because you have to walk everywhere but you still want to be stylish Yes, absolutely. I like I am totally, totally, like, into that or a victim of that. I don't know. I get new sneakers, partially because I do go through them quickly, but also, yeah, to keep up with the the style. I buy a lot of sneakers, and then they just sit in my closet, and I'm like, oh, maybe you should get out and walk, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fantastic. Um, What is – okay – uh, you called yourself a radical educator, um, and I was kind of thinking of radical education, but tell me a little bit more about that, because that's, that's like, who you are and what you do. What does yeah. that mean? Yeah, well, um, I think it means being, like, very 
very progressive, I guess, like extremely progressive. And maybe I don't even like fully understand what it means to be a radical educator. Like I know in New York, there are radical educator organizations and groups and meetups. Um, but I think it's really just having like a focus on, on social justice, on the truth, on um, not shying away from any difficult like history or modern realities. And I think of it as, as respecting the kids and, and being able to give them the truth um, and not being thinking of it as the truth and not being afraid of, of it as like political opinions, which is something I definitely thought about more when I first got into education of like, oh, you don't want to be too political, but like figuring out what is the difference between being political and really just telling things truthfully in an unvarnished, unlike sanitized way. So that's what I think. <laughs> and it's in a, and, and you're, so you're speaking in a formal setting, like in a school setting mm-hmm. and like what age groups or just all kids. Yeah. So I have mostly worked with middle schoolers, um, like sixth through eighth grade. Oh, so that's sort of that. my specialty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're like, you know, they're young in a lot of ways, but they're very curious. Um, and, and usually very open-minded. And so I think it's a great opportunity to, in, to help them form their own opinions. And I feel that I absolutely like do that. I, I do give them all the information, like I said, in like a, you know, an unvarnished way, but what they take from that is what they take from that. And sometimes there are kids that end up really disagreeing, you know, for example, if we talk about affirmative action and I give them the background and, but there are still some kids that will say, I still think that's wrong. You should never consider someone's race when you're hiring. Okay. I'm glad that you came to that conclusion for yourself after learning all of this, this history. And maybe that will change over time, but I'm not going to tell them, you know, I disagree with that or, or get angry with them. Of how can you still think that after I just told you, you know, about all this discrimination that we're trying to, to balance against. Um, so that's sort of my, my philosophy. That's awesome. And I think what an impressionable, like, those are the years where you're like, you're starting to awaken and form some of these opinions. And then if you have really good, you know, like guides to help you with that, um, that's really powerful. I, you know, you say the thing about, you know, it not being political, um, the opinions or the first part of it. And I mean, that seems to be the hardest like conversation or interaction to have is when you say, or, or even maybe I'm thinking about the TikToks that I see, but when somebody, you know, is holding a Black Lives Matter sign and somebody was like, you're, you know, why are you bringing that? Like they think it's political yeah. or, and I'm like, what? And that's the part where you're like, you can't argue with stupid maybe, or I don't know. Like it's right. frustrating. Definitely. Um, I, and that, I guess that that's the part of right now that I'm just, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's, um, you, you know, like you said, I'm glad that people are feeling like they don't have to shy away. Um, and, and they're feeling yeah. like strong to like, Hey, these are my opinions. Um, yeah, it's rough and I can't wait for things to change. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. definitely. And I'm, I'm not a very argumentative person by nature. So, you know, I'll, I'll 
I'll present my opinions and I'll have like a strong conversation, but there's definitely points where I personally, I just will be like, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that with me. If it's really like, there's no logic we're going to, we're going to get to here. And Black Lives Matter has been a good example. As a lot of people have pointed out, like if there's so much backlash to matter, like, I don't know how else, like what lower of a expectation we could be asking for other than just to matter. So it's that, there's only so far you're going to be able to get with certain people. If even that they're like, no, don't agree. I might just have to say, okay. And try to stay away from them. Yeah. I, the, the one that the argument that resonated with me is, is when somebody said that, um, like when somebody has an all lives matter response, you only have that response when somebody says black lives matter. You don't have that in a, in a vacuum or it's not happening other than when somebody says, that Black Lives Matter, and it's like, that's where I call, you know, it's like, that's, I don't, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen a lot of good stuff on TikTok about this. I mean, TikTok has been great, like you, I've spent a lot of time on there. Some of it may be wasteful, but some of it has been really awesome, and and a couple of videos about how the only way to refute Black Lives Matter is to say Black Lives Don't Matter. Like, if you, and if that's what you want to say, then you should say that, but anything else that you want to try to spin is not a logical response it's not you're not attacking what the person's actually saying so only black lives don't matter like if that's what you want to say say it you know what it is um i i majored in communication which i know people make fun of but um also took a lot of rhetorical theory and stuff like that and i think 20 years later i'm finally understanding it but i think this like the rhetorical theory like study on this concept will be amazing. Right. I'm sure that's already out there, but like in a few years, I mean, it's, it's fascinating how this statement and it's three words and how right. different the meanings and the interpretations, like it is, it is fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, um, what is being biracial? Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, juxtaposing these things together, like, how do you how do you feel like how do you um, I don't know how to ask the question but how does that affect you being yeah. biracial or how does you being biracial affect that? Yeah, I feel like it affects everything. I think it's it's complicated. Um, and growing up, my sister was the only other like biracial person that I really knew. Um, and specific, I mean, there's lots of different ways to be biracial or multiracial, but we have a black a black dad and a white mom um so specific type of biracial so it's it's always been complicated moving to new york i met a lot of people like just through the diversity where it's like oh you know this isn't like the weirdest thing um but i would say the main way that it affects me and like my work in social justice or comedy or whatever is just trying to balance that idea of like i am black and I, I want to claim my blackness and I want to speak up, but then also recognizing the role that colorism plays and white privilege plays and trying to not take up too much space all the time, you know, with like, I'm black and speaking for all black people when I have had a different experience and I, I can recognize my own white privilege or light skin privilege or whatever you want to call it. Um, that comes from being raised by a white mom and, and having white features. So it's just always, I feel like, a balancing act because I don't want to be necessarily, you know, the face of Black Lives Matter, 
but at the same time, it's hard to not sound like you're trying to downplay or shy away from your blackness if you're like, oh, well, I'm not really black. So it's just, it's a mess. It's the duality. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's always... You're the best that I can. <laughs> yeah. I, um... Yeah. Uh, my mom is Mexican and my dad is white. Um, I, growing up, I never thought of myself as biracial, but I guess like technically. Yeah. But one like aha moment I've had is thinking, or and tell me if you agree or disagree. It's fine, but like I always thought, yeah. being biracial is, I mean, you're not. It's its own race in a sense because I've never felt white. Yeah. I'm not white enough, like growing up, to be with the like kind of white kids, and I wasn't Mexican yeah. enough to identify as Mexican. It's kind of your own interesting little perspective i i totally agree i think it's been really powerful when i've been able to be in spaces that are multiracial spaces like i've gone to some conferences and things for education where they do race-based affinity groups and um will have an affinity group for multiracial people and it's been so amazing and empowering to see that it is it is its own specific thing I am grateful for the awareness because I think I identify as white and I think I've raised white um, or or Caucasian, you know, white American. Um, But definitely having the awareness of like going to Mexico to visit that family and, you know, and just being exposed to that and saying, hey, not everybody lives the way we live here. And, you know, I am grateful for that awareness, though. Um, Yeah. Interesting. uh, Yeah. And I try it. One thing I've tried to do is to think about as I become aware of my privilege, like how I can use it um, to to help the movement and just knowing that there are like it's it's kind of an ugly thing to acknowledge. But like there are certain ways in which white people will listen to me more because of the way that I speak or because of the because of who I'm engaged to or the way that I look like I do feel that I have some more access in certain spaces to be able to raise my voice and not be you know threatened of losing my job or have people feel threatened by me so I've been trying to think about how I can use that um and sort of face that that ugly truth but use it in a way that benefits people who are darker than me or who come from a different background that's great that is you know that's 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 what we all we can do you know how can I how can right. I use whatever I have or don't have to help others? Like, yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, thank you for that. Um, so I'm going to turn just a little bit, even though I feel like, you know, everything's so connected in a sense. I want to hear about comedy in New York. Like what, uh, probably pre-pandemic, um, how has yeah. that been for you? What's been your, what's, um, tell me about your comedy. Okay, so I started, first of all, at a Tempe Center for the Arts. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, me too! Sorry, I got excited. And I, no, that's fine. I was looking for something else. I was like, you know, we need to be more, like, cultured. Maybe we should go to, like, a dance performance or something. And then I saw that they had these stand-up comedy workshops. Um, Did you go or no? Yeah, with Tony! (laughs) Me too. Oh my gosh. So I went to that because the first one was free and I was like, well, I'm just going to go to the free one. Like I'm never going to, I'm not going to do the rest. Um, And I was a public school teacher at the time. I was like, I don't have money to spend on workshops. Let me go to the free one. But then I liked it and I did it. Um, And I did like the beginning one and then the 
advanced one where you have a show afterwards and it went really well and I um was very surprised and Tony was very you know encouraging and was like that was like pretty great for your first time doing it um so so I did it basically through that and then through people I met there so I loved that workshop so much mm-hmm. like the, the people in it it was actually so weird because I moved to New York, the first workshop that I signed up for in New York, because I was like, I'm going to do the same thing. I want to do this thing where I can rework my, my jokes and then do a little performance. Um, and I really did not like it. And speaking of the diversity, it was such a strange shift because the Phoenix group, at least when I was in, was really diverse. It was like moms, a high schooler, like <laughs> all different races of people, um, all different ages. Like it was awesomely diverse. It feels like that show community. Yeah, <laughs> the New York City one I signed up for was all white men and me, and it, I went, I actually ended up quitting and wasting some money, because I went a few times, but I just did not feel comfortable, I was not having fun in the same way, um, and I, I don't know, it was kind of sad, which yeah. I, I'm sure that like, stand-up I know can be, and it was just like, I wasn't loving it. Um, so I didn't do it for a long while when I first got to the city. Also, not having any friends in Phoenix, I would invite all my friends, all my yeah. coworkers, like come see this show. So it was always like it's going to be okay because I'm going to have this group of friends there in New York. I was like, I don't know who I would invite. Like I quit, so I basically quit for a little while. Um, but actually, through Cheer New York, they do this charity showcase fundraiser thing where it's basically like a talent show fundraiser. And they were like, do you have any special skills? And I was like, I could do stand-up comedy. (laughs) And everybody was like, what are you talking about? Because um, I'm like a pretty, I can be a pretty quiet person. You know, I I think I'm not a typical like stand-up comedian or people certainly don't expect it. So they were like, I guess so. And I think everybody was really nervous, which they told me afterwards. Like, we were so worried for you. Like, we really thought it was not a good idea <laughs> that you get up in front of. And there were a lot of people there because it's a popular fundraiser. So, like, you know, a couple hundred people and tell jokes for five minutes. But then afterwards, everybody was so, so relieved that I actually knew what I was doing. And <laughs> people laughed, but everybody was like, oh, my God, we were so worried. We were all talking about it. So I did that, um, and then I've just done, like, a few few smaller shows. I really, like, I'm pretty selective about it, partially because I'm working full-time, but also because I did have that kind of bad experience, and I've had other, you know, open mics or things that I've gone to that I'm like, oh, this is, like, sad, this isn't fun, this is all white men, Um, I'm not loving it. So I've been more selective. I did one show uh, called The Black Girl Magic Show, where this uh, black woman comedian had gathered a bunch of other black women it was the best show I've ever been in everybody was so funny loved it um and then some other little shows that my friends have put together that have been like intentionally diverse is important to me like knowing that that that's a part of the the mission not that I would never do like something that was more traditional but that's mostly what I've been up to in New York um and it takes me a long time to prepare for a show. I'm not somebody that can just get up and, like, you know, tell some jokes, say something funny. I, like, really work on the yeah. writing of it. Yeah. So 
So I don't do it that often, partially for that reason, because I'm like, I need weeks to, like, really prepare for this. Tiffany, I'm so excited. I can't... This is, like, that kind of magic of, like, okay, I always get self-conscious if I I don't reach out to people I don't know that often, but it's always kind Mm -hmm. of... one thing that it's always proven is like you probably have more in common than you realize or like you you know it's right and um so that just makes me so happy i too started at tempe center for the arts with tony visage <laughs> he's gonna be so excited i saw that he followed you remembered me yeah it was such a long time ago i saw that he follows you he, he was the only person i knew that followed you and i was like huh i'm you know maybe i don't you know i didn't know why uh but now it makes sense but same reason, like, I I wanted to do stand-up, and I believe in taking a class. Like, a lot of people say what they want yeah. about that, but, you, one, you get what you pay for, and two, mm-hmm. like, that's how I hold myself accountable. And I think something, especially his class, is really good for anybody who just wants to try it, you know, and, like, yeah. here's five weeks, and at the end, you get a showcase you can invite your friends and family to, and then you decide if you want to keep doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. Like, I'm so happy that I fully stumbled upon it. It wasn't really something I had thought of. Like, yes, I felt like I was, like, funny in a way, you know, or, like, my friend group would be like, you're funny, yeah. but not in, like, I didn't think in a stand-up comedy way at all. So that was, like, such an incredible opportunity to meet people and to, to develop. And I also really believe in, like, putting in work to do things yeah. like I'm I'm not necessarily the kind of person that thinks well I'll just get up there and it'll probably be great I, I believe in working on it learning the skills and then making it your own from there yeah but I loved it so yes please tell him see if he remembers me and tell him thank you for his support because he really made a big difference because I think he was he was honest like he did not sugarcoat things at least not for me like if I did a bad job he was like that was horrible so then <laughs> When I did my first show and it went well, and he said, you know, that was good. It really meant a lot to me and encouraged me to keep keep up with it. Even um, while I decided to focus on teaching and other things in life, like I still do it because I love it. He's doing it. um, He's doing a Zoom version now, um, so to you know keep business afloat. So that's really cool. Um, But. I go back a couple times a year to work on jokes. Like if I get stuck, then I just take that yeah. workshop just to like help me get through it. Um, I've tried to wean myself from that kind of help too though. So like I'll go back a couple times. Um, but yeah, there's been like really successful people that have come out of his uh, his workshop. Like um, usually like younger comedians because they can't go to bars. Um, it was like right. Michael Longfellow was in that case. And I think... Um, um, Josh McDermott from from uh, Walking Dead was in his class at some point, and uh, anyway, it's awesome. kind of exciting. Hopefully, he'll be like, "Oh, Mary Upchurch was too," and <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that! Yeah. I love that. Um, fantastic. We talked about a lot of stuff, Tiffany. I know. <laughs> what's your guilty? Like I said, I'm all over the place. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> what's your guilty pleasure? Oh gosh. Um, probably like the guiltiest because I, you know, I definitely want to be one of those people. It's like, I'm not guilty about my pleasure, <laughs> but I would say that I'm uh, guilty about The Bachelor, which is not my fault because I resisted watching it for so long, decades. And then I had this roommate that watched it and I was interested to see the first one I watched was Rachel's season to see what it was like for 
the first black bachelorette, but never, never start because you just get sucked into it. And then it's Bachelor in Paradise. And then you have to like keep watching. So you know the people as they get <laughs> selected for the next season. So that is my guiltiest pleasure. Um, I spent a good amount of time yesterday Googling what's going on with the current season. <laughs> and I don't know. It's, it's like such trash and it's probably not good for the country or the world but <laughs> I watch it it might be all we have right now um I can't get into The Bachelor but sometimes I'm jealous because there's so many you know conversations about it and so many posts about it and I'm like yeah. I don't know what's happening um I might I'm thinking about it I'm trying to make an educated decision about getting back into um Big Brother um uh, because my my theory is there's nothing else on and I guess I've got Hulu and Netflix, but still, there's nothing else on TV, right. and it's on so much. It's on, like, three times a week. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, if you invest now, then you'll have something for, like, a couple months. But if you don't, you'll be like, what's going on? I don't know, you know. Right. So we'll see. That's what they have to do with Bachelor. They have, like, really, they're geniuses in the way that they have engineered it, where it's, like, so the people, the, the Bachelorette is chosen from the previous season of The Bachelor. Yeah. And then, so you have to watch or you feel like you don't know what's going on. Um, and Bachelor in Paradise is my favorite part. That's where they put like a bunch of the uh -huh. rejects together and they try to find love amongst themselves. And that's where you really need the background information to know what they were like on their season. That's where stars are made because it's never with the winner usually. It's the yeah. it's same thing with American Idol. The people who, who didn't win, you know, ended up doing right. very well. Um, did you, I did get into that one show, um, it was on Lifetime, was it Unreal or something like that? Did you ever see that show? It was no. a scripted show about a show that was a lot like The Bachelor, and like, it was okay. with Constance, Constance Marie and this one other girl. It was, what is it called? Unreal, un... It was so good though, um, but it was a scripted really? show, um, I recommend it. Um... <laughs> I'm so lame. Uh. No, I've, I've watched a lot ever since The Bachelor. Now it's like I'm curious about Love Island. And oh, yeah. Love is Blind. And so now I watch, I watch them all. But I haven't watched a scripted one about it. But I would be into that because part of the fascination is also just that the whole experience is so weird. Like they're not allowed to bring any books or any like form of entertainment with them. So they're just like trapped in this house. It's weird. Like, yeah. the whole idea is weird. So I would be curious it, about... And this focuses on um, the produ like these two women who produce it and how they, yeah. like, start things and how they get, you know... And there's even a little murder right. in there. I mean, it's kind of... A, it's really dramatic. Um, I just wow. can't remember the name of it. Was it? Um, of course... Oh, Constance Zimmer, it was. Unreal, Yeah. It was unreal, and it had like three seasons. It's really good. Um, I should watch it. I do like Lifetime movies, so it, yeah, I'd probably like that. Um, <laughs> oh, so you're are you planning a wedding right now, or like, what's your like? Is there how much time do you have before this happens? When, when yeah, did you get engaged? So we were supposed to get married October 10th. It was really cute, 10, 10, 2020. Oh, cute. Um, but I, you know, when this whole thing first started, I was like, it's not, it's not gonna be better by then. Like, 
Um, and I was right. So luckily we canceled before we had even like paid for a lot of stuff. Um, so I think we're just going to do something teeny tiny um, with just like basically the people we've been quarantining with, our family. Um, but what I have found is it's always like complicated to plan a wedding, even if you're literally going to have four people there. Like there's still so much to do. So we'll see. Stay tuned. But yeah, that'll be I exciting. Think it's be something really small um, and and really soon while the weather's still nice. So okay, so I, what I'm guessing is like we can wake up to like this photo, like a gorgeous photo. Oh, yeah. and like hey, Dad, I woke up to one today with one of my comedy friends. Tamir Katan got married. I was like, oh, you know, so yeah. good. We will be on the lookout for that. I think that's yeah. really nice. And I know, I know there's a lot of brides that are really upset right now, but part of me, um, I used, I, in college, I worked in, in some of the bridal industry. Uh, I worked at Men's Warehouse, okay? I'm different to Texas. But part, <laughs> of, <laughs> just, um, but part of me is like, good, like not giving. Right. those industries like all this useless yeah. just money just throwing it away like oh you have to do this and you have to do that and now it's like you know we're gonna do what we want so yeah no, that it is really nice it's good it's given people I think the opportunity to think about like what do you really want and do you want to wait like that's fine or is it more about other things um I don't know but yeah we're <laughs> I don't think I. I hope that we can have a big party someday, yeah. but it's not really worth waiting. Um, at this point, I feel like we would need to wait like a year, you know, yeah. or more for things to really be where people can fly out, feel comfortable, um, and do a big party. Yeah, and I don't want to wait, so I don't want to wait. We'll go for it. <laughs> no, um. I also just keep getting older and older every <laughs> year. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> The travel so, part, I think, sucks, though. It's like, it's like I would, I'd want to, I mean, right now I want to travel, and I'm kind of canceling yeah. everything, and that would be the hard part, but, um, but yeah, I think there's some, I, I do like the silver linings a little bit of mm -hmm. the pandemic about how it's bringing people closer together and, you know, appreciating, like, what's most important to you, and so I yeah. think there's some, there's some good things, but, um, yeah. Oh, I this know. has been. I feel that way, too. Yeah. Um. Oh, so what, um, what are your, what do you want the most in the next, I'm going to say one year and let's say the pandemic ends vision board it. Let's put it out there. What are your, what do you oh, want? Uh, your hopes and dreams and passions. What would you like to happen? Oh my goodness. Well, um, I would like to get married, which we're going to make happen. Um, I, I don't, I would like to keep doing a lot of what I've been doing over the pandemic. Like I, I mean, I've been really fortunate where for me, it has just given me the time to, to work on other things and to like really work on TikToks and, you know, make TikToks that I feel good about and grow that following. And, um, so I don't know. I, there's nothing specific. I'm definitely in like a, a transition sort of phase where I am thinking about moving away from classroom teaching so that I can focus on some of these other interests. Um, so I would hope to to work on that. Yeah. Um, just, and 
I think people a lot of times are afraid to like give too much to what they feel are hobbies, things that aren't necessarily like making them money yet or ever. Um, but I have been letting myself do that and still feel good about it and still feel proud about it. And so I want to keep doing, doing that, like not thinking of them as hobbies, but as like really as passions and, and putting in work like I would for, for my paid job. Yeah. And you shall have it. So I wish all of those things for you. <laughs> Thank I think you. It's so powerful to put it out there. And I feel you. Um, I've, I've, in the last five years, just trying to balance like my day job and comedy. Yeah. And I'm like, I keep telling myself when comedy gets like this over a day job, then I will. Right. But until then, I'm going to do as much as I can. And I think during the pandemic, like I'm trying, you know, it's like create what you can, like do what you can. And TikTok yeah. is a great platform yeah. for that. And there's others. Right, and put stuff out there. And I saw one thing I really liked that I saw on TikTok was about the idea that, like, being confident is not thinking that everybody will like everything that you do, but it's knowing that people won't like a lot of what you do and being okay with that. And that has been something that has been, like, inspiring me throughout this pandemic and trying new things. Of like, it's not that if I put out a video and it flops, like, that that should make me feel bad about myself. It's just going into it knowing, like, people might not like this, but that's not going to make me feel any less about myself. So, yeah. so just keep, keep creating whatever that means and, like, putting it out in the world and just seeing what sticks. As long as I feel good about it, then that's all all I need, I guess. <laughs> keep creating. I think it's really good advice. Thank you yeah. so much. I had the best time talking to you, Tiffany. Where can Thank people you. find you? Um, you can find me on TikTok as long as it doesn't get banned, which <laughs> is still there today. So <laughs> I feel like we just keep panicking for nothing. Um, Tiffany with an I underscore Michelle. Um, and then Instagram, Tiffany Michelle underscore. And I'm thinking about doing a YouTube in the spirit of just creating, putting stuff out. Um, but we haven't gotten on it yet. We're going to do some filming around two of learning to braid. Um, and I'm going to put that on YouTube and it will probably also be Tiffany, Michelle, something, but yeah, that'll be coming soon. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Get back to Oliver, get back to the beach house, enjoy the rest of the weekend. And we Thank will talk you. to you. We'll, we'll see you later. Thank you everybody for listening to Wings with Friends. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Bye-bye.